But what turbocharges that process is when every time we're doing something to cultivate that relationship, we're not making it about us. We're making it about how we could help them. And we leave every interaction thinking to ourselves, what can I do to help them? Because when you help somebody, that's when you actually impact them and have them remember you. And for most people, they do usually want to reciprocate and figure out how can I help you? You're listening to the Client Catching Podcast, the show that uncovers how high-performing service-based business leaders are successfully navigating the ocean of complexity around growing their business. Now, as anyone with a talent and guts to start a business knows, it takes a lot more to grow one than just being great at what you do, and you can't do it alone. So this podcast will show you how other captains of their own ship, just like you, have found the right strategy to catch more clients, simplified everything, and transform their business. So if you're ready to do the same, then jump aboard and join me, Adam King, host and the captain at Think Like a Fish, and let's go fishing. Hey, it's Adam here, and thanks so much for tuning into the show today. Now, before we dive into the episode, I just wanted to let you know how you can get hold of a free copy of my book, Conversational Relationship Marketing, because inside you're going to find 10 golden rules for B2B and professional service firms that consistently create client sales opportunities and drives revenue growth. And you'll find out how to do all of that using professionalism, ethics, and good manners. So what you can do to get your free copy is go to the podcast gift page at thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash podcast gift. And when you get hold of the book, what you're going to discover is a simple strategy to ensure that you consistently have a full calendar of motivated and qualified ideal potential clients who want to discuss doing business with you. And what I'm literally doing is giving away the exact entire strategy that my clients pay thousands to implement with them. Not only that, I share throughout the book links to templates, frameworks and workbooks that you can use to actually implement this strategy and get results. And it's all for free, no strings attached. In fact, there isn't even an opt-in. So please make sure you go and grab your copy on the podcast gift page at thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash podcast gift. And if you want to grab some of the other gifts and resources that I offer there, please help yourself. So I hope you go and get the book. I hope you read it. And more importantly, I hope you do something with it. And when you do, I'd love to get your feedback on the results that you've got. But until then, let's get to today's episode. Hello, and welcome to the Client Catching Podcast. Now, if you could grow your business with less stress and pressure, what would be the first thing that you'd want to tick off your list? Now, if your answer involves bringing new clients consistently, then this episode is going to be a game changer for you because we're going to be talking about everyone's favorite method of getting clients. Referrals. So every business leader that I speak to, they want and they love referrals. I guess it's no real surprise because a good referral can lead to a closed sale fast and easier than any other lead. However, even though referrals are by far one of the most effective ways to grow your business, you don't need me to tell you they're always easy to come by, right? I mean, let's face it, asking for referrals can be pretty awkward and asking is often ineffective. So what if there was a better way? Well, there is, and that is exactly what my guest today is going to share with you. Now, she's a three-time entrepreneur and a proud card-carrying member of the Business Failure Club along the way. She's the author of the award-winning book, Generating Business Referrals Without Asking, and host of the Roadmap to Grow Your Business podcast. 
Now, she's taught her no asking referral generation strategy to hundreds of clients, including well-known corporations such as Bank of America, Mass Mutual, International Minute Press, and Real Living Real Estate. But her focus today is on helping smaller business owners and entrepreneurs. Now, seriously, I want you to forget everything that you think you know or need to do in order to generate referrals consistently, because you're about to hear a simple but contrarian five-step strategy that you need to follow to generate referrals without asking, without using gimmicks, and without any kind of weird manipulation. So I'm absolutely delighted to welcome my guest onto the Client Catching Podcast today, Stacey Brown-Randall. Stacey, welcome to the show. Adam, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm excited to have you here as well because, as I say, um, referrals, it's probably one of them the, the every business owner loves getting referrals, don't they? Um, I think it validates that what they do is valuable and it just makes us feel good that we've done a good job and other people love to sort of pass it on to other people. But as we know, it's not always the most reliable form of generating new clients for your business because not everyone has either a strategy or a real understanding of what a referral is, do they? They really don't. I mean, here's the thing. We've all been taught for decades and decades and decades how to go about getting a referral. But when I actually start unpacking what a referral is and what it ultimately looks like to be able to receive them, we kind of understand how that advice probably hasn't been working for us or not to the level of consistency and success that we would want. And so one of the first things I always like to make sure people understand is exactly what is a referral? Like what exactly does that look like? And so I always tell folks a referral has two things that things that look like a referral, like word of mouth buzz or a warm lead or an introduction where they'll look like referrals. They're going to be missing one or both of these two key parts that a referral always has. Number one, personal connection. You cannot have a referral without a referral source, sometimes called a referral partner. I call them referral sources. Without a referral source actually making a connection between you as the solution provider, right, as the company, making a referral between you and the prospect, that new potential client. So there has to be a connection made to the prospect. That's where the trust is transferred. That's where we remind the prospect that it's okay, it's safe to talk to this person because someone they trust, trust them, right? And so we have to have that personal connection. And then the second thing you have to have is a need identified. The prospect actually needs to know that they're the prospect, that they're in buyer mentality mode. They have a problem and they're willing to talk to you to solve it. And the reason why they're willing to talk to you to solve it is because they trust the person who made that connection. So personal connection and need identified are the two pieces that a referral must have. And then when you unpack that against what an actual introduction is or warm lead or word of mouth buzz, you realize how we've been using those terms interchangeably, but they're actually four different sales terms or sales lingo, and they actually have different definitions. And I really want people to understand when a referral arrives, I want you to identify it because A, like you said, I want people to know, hey, I did great work and somebody thinks I'm worthy to be referred. And two, it means you get to change how you follow up and how you're going to actually go about taking that prospect that's been referred to you and closing them. So knowing what they are when they arrive is really important. And then knowing the difference, like, hey, this was word of mouth buzz, not a referral. I need to be able to flip them into a referral. So just it's it's not just the definition for the definition's sake. It's also mm -hmm. then how you get to respond to it that helps make business easier. 
And I think it is important to actually define what a referral is as well, because I think within the definition, certainly with the one that you gave there, there, there lies some of the, I guess, the, the, the things about referrals that we sometimes forget. And that is certainly on your first point, a lot of people forget that when you make a referral, there's often a lot of social capital at risk for making that referral, isn't there? Mm-hmm. And for anyone that doesn't sort of follow along with what I'm actually referring to here is it, it's think about it this way. If you make a referral or think about it another way, if you just sort of said to a friend, you you should go and um, eat at this restaurant. It's fantastic. It's just opened up. Not many people know about it. Somebody goes and actually goes along and, and, and eats there and they have a, a wonderful experience. You know, they think, oh, brilliant. That's awesome. If you say the same thing, but they go on and they have a terrible experience, they'll be a bit upset, but they'll still be your friend. However, if you make a referral or recommendation for something that has a little bit more, I guess, consequence to it, like it could be um, an investment advisor or wealth advisor or someone that is going to manage something and, and they've done right by you and you make the referral, but then something goes awry along the way, they will remember the person that referred, the person that has caused all the trouble. And there's a lot of social capital in that. Yeah, it's, you know, the reality is when someone's giving a referral, right, they're putting their reputation on the line in the place where someone's going to actually spend money with someone else. And you're right. It looks totally different when it's like a $50 dinner that may or may not be amazing versus the person who's going to manage your money or the person who's going to help you buy your house as a realtor, or even the interior designer that you bring in to renovate your house or the architect, or it could be the CPA, right? Who's going to manage your taxes every year. Like there's a lot of different things when we think about a referral where the referral matters more because of what, as you said, what's at stake. And I usually look at that is because it's no small amount of money, right? When we make the decision to hire someone to do that kind of work with us, that we want to make sure we're making the right decision. And I always tell Mm -hmm. folks, when someone's making a buying decision, there's two things they're thinking about, even if they don't know it. And the two things they're thinking about is I don't want to waste my money and I don't want to make a mistake. Because if I waste my money and I make a mistake, right, then I have to start all over again. And usually when we make a buying decision, unless it's purely for pleasure, usually when we make a buying decision, it's because I need to check a box and get something settled or fixed or better in my life. And so that's where the referral comes in. It's so much more important. And But I do think you bring up a good point. You know, every time you give a referral, it's not a guarantee that the situation is going to be perfect on the other mm-hmm. side. Right. If you actually truly believe your financial advisor or your wealth manager is the best and they do right by you and you refer them to someone else, right? What you're referring is the idea that they'll have the same experience. But if they don't, you're also trusting that that financial advisor or wealth manager will make it right. Right. And will do their job to the best of their ability and will take care of them to the best of their ability. And let's be honest, sometimes we refer difficult friends to people. So sometimes it's not the investment advisors or the wealth managers fault. You just really handed them a tough client. So I, I do think that how it, how the process goes, we have faith that when we refer to someone, it's because we trust them to take good care of our friend. But we also understand that there are circumstances out of everyone's control that could happen. Like you refer someone right before the 2008 recession and then all their money's gone. 
was probably going to happen anyway, just so happened to happen with that investment advisor. So I do think it's important for us to recognize what's on the line, like what's at stake, what's on the line when we make the decision to make a referral to someone, which means our job as the person who wants to receive those referrals, we have to make sure we're protecting the relationship with our referral source. Yeah. And and you also bring up an interesting point as well, which it's not something I've never necessarily thought about too much. And, and, and that is that you can refer someone that could be the wrong client to a business. And so if you're that business, I guess we all think, oh, great, a referral. This will be, you know, um, you know, if, if it's been referred by someone that I enjoyed working with, they're likely to be a similar type of client and all that kind of stuff. But the reality may not be the case. So they could be really difficult and and you're then sort of in a bit of a funny position whereby it's like ah well i don't want to offend the person that referred and i don't want to offend this person and 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 all the rest of it so do you advise people then almost have a process for assessing referrals before you even in a way of dealing with that situation so I think everybody wants, if, if they had their choice, they would have a system for exactly every single scenario that could happen. And the truth is what we're dealing with are humans here. And so we really need to have a process that we're going to follow, but it's not necessarily some type of automatic system in place because any type of lead that you receive, right? If it's a referred one, it's completely different than someone who came through a Facebook ad or became because they heard you speak at an event or they read your book, right? There is a semblance of I don't know you versus when someone's referred. I mean, they drop into the know, like, and trust factor at the trust side of that equation. And so it's important for us to recognize the relationships and the humans and the emotions, right? The squishy people that are kind of involved in this process. And so what I always tell folks is that if you're getting referrals from a referral source that are not your ideal client. And I don't mean you got one not great referral. I mean, wait, now we're establishing a pattern. Now I've gotten two, now I've gotten three. Maybe they don't know who my ideal client is, right? Some people can be your ideal client and not realize that that's actually what you're looking for. I mean, people just don't think like that when they're doing business with you. We think like that when we're the business owner, when we're the sales professional. We don't always think like that when we're the client of someone else. So if somebody is referring you and there's a pattern of not getting great referrals, yes, absolutely. It's something I teach my students of how do we change the quality of the referral that we're receiving. I also believe that when you are given a referral, and it's one of the other things I teach my students, is that there should be a follow-up process that happens that you are, that's almost triggering you at different points along the way once you received a referred prospect of how you follow up with your referral source. So of course, the first step is always the thank you, right? And that thank you should always be a handwritten note that you actually handwrite, right? That you don't hand off to someone else or to a third party, right? And so there's always the, the thank you for that referral. But then if you're following up through your sales process with your referral source about how it's going, and I don't mean you need to be giving any confidential details, right? Like that's inappropriate, but just like, hey, we're meeting next week. I'm very excited. Or, hey, we met. If you can be the first person to deliver the message to the referral source that it's not a fit, you're going to mitigate any kind of instances where there's any type of hurt feelings or confusion or doubt, And so if you have a process for how you follow up with your referral sources after the referral has been received, then you're going to be the first one typically that's going to be able to deliver that message of, hey, thanks so much for referring so to so to me. I'm so bummed out that I couldn't help them. Here's why, right? Managing confidentiality issues, but here's why I'm not able to help them. As long as you're managing that message, it typically doesn't 
go any further than that. But that means there's two things there, right? It's the, how do you follow up your referral source so that you can manage the message? And of course, if you're not getting the right type of referrals, how do you change the quality? And I tell my students in my growth by referrals program, I'm like, listen, these are two skills you have to have to get yourself to the referral ninja, which is what we call them, referral ninja master level. So there's, there's the concept of getting referrals, right? Like we all want to get referrals, right? So there's a concept of getting referrals. And then there's the nuances behind making that process and system really work for you and knowing how to troubleshoot different scenarios that'll come up, that'll get you to the master level. Hmm. And I think that it's, there's something in there that is, again, I don't think we always necessarily think of straight away. And that is, it's almost like it's, it's your responsibility as the business that are getting referrals to educate the people that are your referral sources on the right type of person that is going to make a good refer, you know, a referrer or referral, right? Because if you're just, if, if you're not sort of telling people, right, these are the type of people that I can help the most. This is the kind of person that I really enjoy working with. I can get the best results with and all that kind of thing. And whether you do that at the beginning or, you know, as part of your process, or once you've got a referral, and it's not the right person. If you then go back and do exactly as you just said, A, it's just good manners, but B, you're also strategically sowing seeds for the next one so that they are actually the right type of referrals that the next person would sort of, you know, that person could potentially refer to you. So I think there's a lot in there to, to sort of think about. And I don't think, I think a lot of the time people sort of just think, oh, referrals, I'll wait for them to come in or, you know, they're, they're quite reactive or they'll, they'll do a bit of the asking, as we've said, but it's actually a lot more in depth than people really think about. And there's, as we sort of touched on ever slightly, there's a lot of psychology involved. There's a lot of um, social dynamics that's involved in, in referrals, but I know what you've done and I mentioned it in the intro is you sort of boiled a lot of this together in a bit of a sort of five-step process to really help people understand, I guess, the way to go about doing this properly. And I know everyone who's listening is going to, you know, is itching for me to get to the part where we've like, right, okay, how do I get referrals, but without the asking bit? So why don't we sort of go through what those sort of five parts of your, your process is, and then explain a little bit about how the whole without asking thing happens. Yeah. So I, Definitely. And I think those five steps are really crucial. And so we'll dig into those, but I do want to just mention really fast when you said training your referral sources to know the ideal um, client to refer to you, the the only thing I would say to that is that I actually don't teach and do not think that you should be trying to train your referral sources in advance unless they ask you, hey, who's the best type of client for you? That is something that once you start receiving referrals from them, then you can identify, are these the right kind or the wrong kind? Because the truth is, if I haven't ever shown a propensity to refer you, I don't need a lecture from you, right? I don't need to know how, what that looks like unless I've asked. And the truth is, that's the assumption everybody makes. Everybody makes the assumption that people want to refer you. They don't. Referrals aren't about you, right? Referrals are about the person they know that has a problem. And now they're trying to figure out who's the best person to solve that problem. And if you shift your mindset and you focus on, Hey, they're not about me. That's why we don't ask, right? That's not how, that's not why we come into a situation and we're set to train people on how to generate referrals for us, like who they look like, because that makes it about us. And the human dynamic and psychology behind why referrals happen in the first place, it doesn't have anything to do with you. Now, of course, the referral source has to trust you 
and they have to write, they have to understand who to refer to you. And those things will come in time. As long as they trust you, they'll make that referral. So a lot of business owners do, they come at them from, from the perspective of how do I train my referral sources to give me the right referrals? And my response is always, once you've identified that they're not giving you the right referrals, then you can have that conversation because it's natural and it's protecting the relationship and it's doing everybody a favor, right? Coming at it from the front end, it's like you're telling me to do something I haven't necessarily said and raised my hand and signed up to do. And so that's something just to consider. But all right, so let's dive into these five steps. I will tell you the way that these steps work, this is kind of like my disclaimer. I'm assuming based on starting with step number one, a couple of things about your business. And number one, I'm assuming that you are actually referable. So I'm assuming that you have a sticky client experience. That's what I call it. A sticky client experience where you do great work. You know how to troubleshoot issues, right? You deliver the right, whatever you have communicated that you'll deliver, you're going to provide it. People enjoy working with you, right? I'm assuming you're referable. A lot of people will come into my program and be like, I want referrals and I've never gotten any. And two things, go to, two things I instantly think, well, is your business good enough to receive them? And two, maybe you just haven't identified your referral sources or potential referral sources, which then effectively becomes our first step. So the disclaimer I always make is I'm assuming you're referable. And if you are referable, if your business does a great quality work and has a great client experience, then I'm going to make the assumption that you've probably been referred before, maybe only once or twice, but like you have shown that you are referable because you've received some referrals. And if you believe you deserve referrals, the other component I want to make sure we all understand is I want you to, I want you to believe you deserve referrals because we all do. Adam, you deserve referrals. I deserve referrals. As long as we are referable and we do great work, we deserve referrals. But I want you to understand you're not owed them. So you have to be willing to do some work to receive them. So you got to have the right scenario for people to be like, that is a referable company. I would hands down refer that company. That's a foundational point. And then know, okay, but to get those referrals, there's some work I need to do. So step number one is identifying our referral sources. And that really is kind of the way I like to talk about this from a layering aspect is that is like, if, if you think about this from like a bullseye perspective, it's like the center. It is who has referred you in the past. And it's identifying our existing referral sources, which the easiest way to do that is that look back at your clients and determine where they came from. So if you go back at least 2020, maybe 2019, if you're in my program, I'm going to push you to go back three or four years, if, as long as you've been in business, three or four years. And so from that perspective, you'll have three or four years worth of data of clients that came into your business when they were new and then how they heard about you. And you're going to have lots of different types of sources. Maybe it's advertising, maybe it's sponsorship, maybe they met you at a trade show, maybe they came in through a cold call or a cold email, maybe you met them through LinkedIn and then I'm assuming that some of them are also going to have been referred to you. And when you're capturing that they were referred to you, I want you capturing the referral sources first and last name. So it's a really simple process, particularly if you have this information saved somewhere like in a database or a CRM, you can push a button usually and a nice report will shoot out. It'll say, hey, here's your clients over the last three or four years or one year, whatever it is. And then here's where they heard about you. But that means you were tracking this information to begin with. And lots of folks, when they start, they're like, oh, I have not been tracking this information. And so I'm like, well, then you do this process we call walk down memory lane. It's not very fun. This is not the sexy step of the process. This is actually where you got to get into your data. You got to figure out based on email threads or calendar appointments, or maybe in their file when they were a prospect, you have information about how they told you that they first heard about you. And you got to go back and you got to compile that information, which means it may take you a little bit longer. 
But here's my guarantee for step number one. If you go through the process of correctly identifying your clients and their and their source, in particular, if they were referred the name, the first and last name of the referral source, if you go through this step, you never have to do it again because I'm going to teach you to keep tracking from this point forward. Hmm. So you never have to repeat step one. But we all have to do this like look back, right, before we can actually move forward to knowing who our referral sources are. So that's step one. Yeah. And sometimes that's the most valuable thing you can do. And and Yes, it is painful sometimes when, you know, if, if things haven't been tracked as accurately as you might want to and all the rest of it. But actually, I find that sometimes, and, and when I take people through similar types of exercises, when it's looking through, you know, is your database segmented in a particular way? Can you identify certain people, et cetera, et cetera? It's really, really painful, really, really painful. But sometimes, what? well, the majority of times, actually, I find that simply going through that exercise and the pain of that exercise, it means that you do not repeat it. And as you sort of rightly there say, it's like I then train you. You only have to do it once so that you're tracking things again. But sometimes we have to go through that to realize how I never want to go through it again. So it's it's, it's a yes. really valuable thing to do. And it's something that, you know, anyone can do literally right now. I mean, even if you've you know got a really bad tracking system or anything, you can probably just think through it in your mind Mm -hmm. and make a note of some names and maybe think, okay, right, I'm just going to sort of note those and all the rest of it. But um, yeah, I I, I just think that um, I get worried when someone sort of hears something, oh, it's going to be hard and all the rest of it. Yes, it will be. But my God, it will mean that you do not do it again. And it sets you up for, you know, it, it kind of sets the proper foundation that you need for, you know, whatever it is that you're going to do in this case, referrals. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when I tell people this is step one and, you know, it's actually a whole module in my program and people are like, but you, you give the whole module away in chapter eight of your book and you've got podcast episodes on it and you've got articles on it and you talk about how to do this client look back process. They're like, you give it away for free, this one step. And I'm like, because I know one thing, if I know anything at all, and I like to think I know a lot of stuff, right? But if I know one thing, I know that if you will go through this process, you have a better chance of actually continuing and getting serious about really bringing in more referrals to your business. If you can't go through this step, if you can't make the time to go through this step to identify who your referral sources are, what I teach you after this, it's irrelevant. People are always like, what do I do to get more referral sources? Like, what should I be doing for my referral sources? What does it look like to get more referrals? And I'm always like, that's a great question. It's not the right first question. The right first question is who am I going to be doing stuff for? Because that will inform ultimately what you end up doing. And the truth is when you go through this step, not only are you going to identify your list of gold, who your referral sources are, which I believe is your business's biggest asset. And typically, if you would just take care of the people who've referred you before, you will find low-hanging fruit of referred clients coming into your business. Like this is not complicated. But the other thing this does is it lets you know, wow, I've got people on my list that have referred me and I haven't talked to them in nine months or a year, or I've got people who are not on my list that I spend all this time with thinking they refer me and they don't. Or you look at the list and you're like, wow, I don't have a lot of referral sources, but the data that that exercise One, of course, you're going to recognize who your referral sources are and how well or not well you've been taking care of them. And you're going to see if you need more referral sources. But the other piece of this exercise is identifying what other lead generation sources are working within your business. If you're spending thousands of dollars 
dollars on Facebook ads. Well, how many clients can you point to those Facebook ads or to those sponsorships or those speaking engagements? And so it's important that you're tracking this data because it also shows you where other sources are working or not working. And then, of course, it's also going to reveal your referral sources, which what is what I'm ultimately after. And I mean, what you've what you've really just sort of shared there is is one of the most valuable things that anyone can do in their business, especially if they've been going for a, for a while, because a lot of the time we're just focused on the new, right? What do we do next? And sometimes the most valuable thing you can do is take a look back and see what has worked in the past, because sometimes you'll find that actually there's a source in there that I don't use anymore because I got bored of it or because, you know, I moved, I got, I got distracted by something else, you know, the, you know, I, I some 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 guy on Facebook waved his hand in a video. I watched it and then I bought into his stuff and started doing that. Whereas actually, that's not done anything. And I'm going to go and you know the, the thing that I was doing before, I just stopped doing, which is completely bonkers. Um, it happens because we are human and we are we 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 are entrepreneurs and we do this and we get distracted by lots of different things. <laughs> so I just think that that exercise alone, if, if yeah, again, if you take nothing else from this, just go back and do that. Because, you know, we've still got some more to come on to, but that in itself is incredibly valuable, whether it's for referrals or just your business in general. So, yeah. It is. And it's going to, you know, it's going to identify who your referral sources are. And once you have that step done, then the next couple of steps of my process make so much more sense. Because you're like, oh, now I know who my referral sources are. So that when I say, okay, great, the next thing you need to do is you need to create a referral plan of outreach that you're going to do to those referral sources. And you're going to do it in a way where it's memorable and meaningful, where you're staying top of mind. But those outreaches are what we call touch points. Those touch points give you an opportunity to also plant referral seeds. So Of course, every time you receive a referral, I want you sending a handwritten thank you note, but then I want you to have a plan behind that, that throughout the year, you're doing these specific types of touch points that allow you to be able to also plant referral seeds while you're showing gratitude and thankfulness to your referral sources so that you can take care of them throughout the year. So the way I like to teach it is, yes, step one is a standalone step by itself to identify your referral sources, but step two, three, and four, they really work in concert together, which is you've got to have a referral plan, which is a planned outreach. That, and I tell folks, we plan these things for one full year, right? And then we wash, rinse, repeat every year and shifting and tweaking what we need to, but you want a way that you know you're going to be memorable and meaningful and taking care of your referral sources that keeps you top of mind while you're also delivering referral seeds, what we call planting referral seeds. So it's just kind of how your referral sources start to think of you, right? When you're telling them also, thank you and showing gratitude for the fact that they refer you. And then of course, making sure that every time they send you a referral, you're sending a handwritten thank you card because mm-hmm. it makes it, it makes the whole impact piece work together. It's not only am I trying to take care of you to get more referrals, I'm also going to show thankfulness when I get one for from you with a handwritten thank you note. So really step one is identify your referral sources. Step two, three, and four are have a plan, know how to write a thank you note, and know how to use the right language when you are delivering on that plan. And then that brings us right to step five, which is actually make it a process because we're all very busy business owners. And at the end of the day, we need a process. That's 
that's why I'm like, hey, we plan this stuff out a year in advance. We know what we're doing. We know what we're saying. We know what the budget is. Then it gets into our workflow, whether that's through a project management software like Asana or on your calendar, reminding you it's time to do something. I don't care. You don't have to buy software to make this piece work, but you do have to make it a system. So that way you'll execute on your touch points throughout the year. And most folks I tell will fall between four and eight touch points in a year. But the truth is the majority of folks really need six to eight to have the impact we want. But if you think about it, six to eight touch points in a year that you're going to make into our system, get it part of your workflow. So you do it. We're not doing something every day. We're not doing something every week and we're not even doing something every month. But when we do something, we're doing the right things that shows gratitude and thankfulness to our referral sources and gives us the opportunity to plant referral seeds. So that's how they continuously think about us. And yeah, six to eight times a year. I mean, that's not even once a month. And, you know, how long is it going to take necessarily to do all of these things? I'm assuming not, you know, they're not going to take weeks. They're going to take maybe a, maybe a few minutes on some of them, maybe a, maybe an hour or so on, on some of the others. It just depends on what it is that you're doing. But if they are going to generate additional, you know, if that effort is going to generate additional um, referrals and revenue for your business, then that's just a, it's just, it's a smart investment. And as you say, if you can process it, so you know that over time when you do a few more of these, it becomes easier to do, you know, and, and I find that it is really just the remembering to do it. For the majority of people. Right? Why, why is it that, right? Why is it that I've got these amazing ideas yeah. now I just need to actually do them? Like, that's always Absolutely. the issue. And here's a great statistic you'll love. We started tracking this stuff with the students in the Growth by Referrals program. Once they went through the program, once they identified their referral sources and had their referral plan built, how much time did it actually take them to execute on those six to eight touch points in a year? And the average is about 24 hours in a year. 24 hours, a full day, right? And it was spread out over a year. Now, of mm. course, that number increased if they had more referral sources and that number was smaller if they had less. And the things that were like, that took the longest is anytime they actually had to do anything handwritten, right? Because mm. some people really dread that. <laughs> so they put it off and it takes them longer. But mm. I mean, the truth is it's, we're, we're talking about 24 hours on average. It's not perfect for everybody over the course of a year even if you brought in one or two more referrals, depending on what your average commission or revenue is when a new client starts in your business, it's worth those 24 hours. Yeah, because just think how, how I'd love to see a statistic as well, like how much time people spend watching um, Darth videos on uh, YouTube or, uh, you know, Facebook or the rest of it. If you put it into context against that kind of thing, 24 hours over a year is nothing. Like, it's literally yes. nothing. And the the leveraged impact that it can have on your business, that 24 hours to me is a no-brainer investment. It, it took me longer to binge watch all seven seasons of The Blacklist. So definitely <laughs> you can do this to grow your business. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, it's it's kind of like there's, there's, there's a lot of common sense in there. There's a lot of, right, okay, well, that makes sense. I, I can almost hear some people going, right, okay, if I've got some referral sources, that's fine. What about if I want to generate new referral sources? What if I've gone yes. through the exercise and I I understand this process and I've got some success, but I found that I've got, say, five solid referral sources and I would like to grow my business. And to do that, based on what I have just gone through, I'm going to need another five or ten. 
Right. What would be your sort of, um, what would you say to someone if they were thinking that? That's that's a great question because it's actually the second layer of a strong overall referral strategy. The first layer is what we talked about, having a plan to take care of the people who have already referred you, like having a plan to take care of your existing referral sources. The second layer to that will be identifying and cultivating potential referral sources, whether that be clients or your centers of influence, people in your network that should be referring you. And it starts a lot the same way as the first layer starts. And it starts by, okay, well then let's first identify who do you wish was referring you? And I don't need a list of a hundred or a thousand people you wish were referring you. And all your clients is not the answer to referring you. But I teach a process and we actually have some podcast episodes on this. I think we started episode 89 when we dove into a three-part series on identifying referral sources. But when you identify your referral sources, you know, it's looking at is it clients? Is it centers of influence? What do they have in common? And then looking for some low-hanging fruit. Like I always tell folks, low-hanging fruit to have a client who could potentially refer you is probably starting with someone who's given you a testimonial or a review or maybe told somebody else they enjoyed working with you. If you when you mm-hmm. can identify those moments, that's the that's the people we want to start with. So I tell folks, I'm like, give me a list of like 15 or 20, maybe 25 people that you wish were referring you. And then the process I teach, once we identify the right people and you will not get it hundred percent right. Some people you wish will refer you will never refer you and it'll be okay. Right. Then we're going to go through a process of cultivating a relationship with them, giving us an opportunity to plant indirect referral seeds because they've never referred us so that we can start having them think about us in that way. But what turbocharges that process is when every time we're doing something to cultivate that relationship, we're not making it about us. We're making it about how we can help them. And we leave every interaction thinking to ourselves, what can I do to help them? Because when you help somebody, that's when you actually impact them and have them remember you. And for most people, they do usually want to reciprocate and figure out how can I help you? And it may not be in a referral, which I know is ultimately what we want. It may be in another way that's just as good, but it is a process we go through of identification and then cultivation and then using the right language until they give us that first referral. And then guess Mm. what? We already have a layer built for that. We have a strategy built for that. When, hey, you've referred me even once, I'm going to drop you into my referral plan that I'll activate throughout the rest of the year. Mm. And and I think that's something in there as well that, that, that not a lot of people always necessarily consider because the word referral, I think most people think, oh, well, if I'm going to get a referral, it has to come directly from a client, somebody that has actually worked for me. But you then refer to what you call the center of influences and um I think that is that is a huge opportunity, a huge opportunity, because not everyone like if, if you if you work with a few clients over a year, that's going to limit your referral sources. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're a business that doesn't need, you know, hundreds of clients and so you have big contracts, for example, then, you know, a handful of clients, that might be a bit difficult. But if you then cultivate relationships in a different way with the center of influences that you described there, that opens up the possibility for almost infinite referral sources. And I think a lot of people miss that when it comes to referrals. Do you find that? Yeah. So I always tell folks there are different types of referral sources. The two that matter, the two that we spend our time and our energy on are clients and then centers of influence. And the way I define center of influence, it's not the hundreds or thousands of people you know in your network. It's not everybody you're connected to on LinkedIn or on Facebook or on Instagram, right? Your centers of influence are people who know what you do. They're very clear on what you do. Right. It's not like you're a CPA and they think you're a realtor. Right? They're very clear on what you do. They don't do what you do. So there's no competitive overlap. 
And most importantly, they come across your ideal client on a regular basis, which makes them someone who would be a good fit to refer you. So most industries have like strategic alliance type experiences where like, wow, as a realtor, it would be really great, right? If these people would refer me or as a financial advisor, it'd be really great if these people could refer to me or whatever it is. We all, every industry has that kind of corresponding industry that would make a good type of referral source. Um, They're just centers of influence because they've never been a client of yours, but they can also refer to you. And those are the two most important clients and COIs. And and do you find, and I know you've got, I'm kind of loading this question because I know you've got an opinion on it and uh, I want to bring it out. But um, I guess when, when you're sort of thinking center of influences, um, people might well be thinking, okay, well, does that ref- require sort of incentivizing it? Does it, is, is it more likely that you would then have to come into some sort of commercial arrangement with the center of influences? So it's kind of like, okay, if you introduce, then I, I pay a percentage of the sale or whatever it is. Whereas with the clients, again, some people like to think that you should incentivize your clients to refer and all that kind of thing. That's the thinking that I think the majority of people have, but I know that you have a, a, a bit of a different opinion on it. Absolutely. Um, I believe that in some industries, it is par for the course for commission to be paid because somebody is handing a lead over. It is not a referral at that point. It is handing a lead over. It happens in the online world with affiliates. It happens in real estate when one realtor refers to another realtor, right? So it, there is no, people believe that they need to incentivize their referral sources. And the truth is the minute you start talking about a referral program where you incentivize or pay commissions or give kitbacks, you've commoditized the relationship with them. You've made it actually about a work transaction and not so much a giving transaction where they're trying to help someone. And so when the payments for that lead, right, coming into your business happen and everyone knows it. So like in an affiliate arrangement, you know, before you click on the buy link that that may be an affiliate link and there, the person may be getting a commission. And you know, when one realtor refers you to another realtor, there's this piece of paper you sign that says, yep, you're getting 25% of the commission. Like, you know what up front, it's buyer beware and the buyer is protected. In the case where we have centers of influence or clients that we feel like we have to incentivize, but we feel like we have to pay commission to, at that point, not only are we commoditizing the relationship with them, we're usually doing it in a way where we're not telling the person they're referring to us that, hey, you got referred to us because they made 25%. And so I always say, put yourself in the prospect shoots. If I go to a friend and I say, Adam, I really have problem X, Y, Z. Can you help me solve it? And you say, yes, Stacy, go to this person. They will make everything better. And then I found out later that maybe you only referred me to that person because you made money on it. That's like mon- making a buck off of my pain, not helping me solve my problem. And so it's the behind the scenes, the behind closed doors, that kickback under the table, those commissions that are paid at when the buyer doesn't know that's why they're being referred, that I have an issue with this whole concept of having an incentivized referral program or some type of incentivized referral referral payment because we're commoditizing the relationship and we're hiding it typically from the buyer or from the client, so to speak. And so if you're willing to reveal those things, then have at it. But if you're not, then I think you need to consider um, not compensating for those leads that you receive. And by all means, stop calling it a referral fee because they're not referring you when you're there getting paid. It's just Mm -hmm. a lead that you're paying for. And if that's how you do business, that's okay. We just need to make sure everyone's aware of it. Yeah. And I think that there is a... um... Uh, you know, it's it's linguistics, it's language, but I think that when it comes to referrals, 
a referral is a referral. And, and, and I think that if, if you're making the referral, it is done because of the relationship, because it's not the transaction. It's, you know, because you want to make the referral. I think there is a difference between that and entering into a, an actual agreement, like a, a strategic alliance um, agreement or a joint venture agreement with another business, whereby actually you are able to incorporate it into part of the, you know, the business structure. And actually you, you have vetted another business so that when you are making either a recommendation or you know that when somebody comes to you as a business, you solve the problem they have, it's going to create another problem rather than have them go out into the world and try and figure it out. You're able to be that kind of guide to say, well, look, we partner with these kind of people as we know, this is something that regularly comes up. So we can recommend you to these or we can have, you know, go and have a conversation. And yes, we've, you know, we, because we partner with them, it's, you know, we, we have a commercial arrangement, but blah, 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 blah. And that's a way that you can differentiate between, I guess, referral and actually a strategic um, partnership that you set up with another business that can actually work. And maybe there's a, there's, there's a difference between pure referral and that kind of arrangement. Absolutely. It, it is all in the communication and it's all in the information that you share in protecting the buyer, protecting the prospect, protect, protecting that new potential client. Mm-hmm. And when that's in, when that's in place, then typically it's fine. It's good to go. I mean, the reality is, is I get, I mean, I'm thinking about just my, the students who joined my growth by referrals program this month in November, right? Who joined my program so far when I mean, we're 11 days in, I'm thinking about the new students who joined and they were all referred to me. Right. And so, of course, those are coming from my referral sources. But even my program, I have affiliates of my program, Mm. but the language they use when they're communicating with someone before they recommend my program is different than when someone's like, hey, I'm in her program. It's amazing. You should go join. It is different language that protects the person who is about to put dollars on the line Mm. before they make an investment. And that is most important. And I think not only is it the right thing to do, but it is also the way that most of us want to be presented in the marketplace. So when somebody comes into my program, program, if they come in through one of my affiliates who is being paid a commission, right, to recommend and talk about my program, I want them to know that. I don't want that to be a secret, right? Mm. But if they're being referred just to be referred, right, I want them to know that too. And I think that's an important distinction of just how you decide to run your business. Yeah. And 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 what you're certainly not saying is that there is anything wrong with entering any kind of commercial arrangement whereby whatever that is, you pass leads, you pass, um, you know, recommendations, you introduce, you promote, you do all that kind of thing. And that there is a commercial arrangement. That's not what you're saying. It's just, and what I love about what you're saying, to be honest, is you have to put the prospect, the person at the center of all of it, because they're the ones that are ultimately going to walk away with the impression of your business. And that impression could be positive or negative, and it could be easily, easily um, mitigated because if you don't tell someone and then they find out that there's been kickbacks and all, you know, blah, 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 then that's going to be negative. But if you tell them that up front, it's totally different. And they're like, right. oh, yeah, yeah, fine. Like, it's you're still going to fix it. It's not going to cost me anymore. Right. It's just buyer beware. Right. And the minute we have buyer beware, then we're in a place of operating from, I I would say, right, operating from the right place of just doing the right thing. So to your point, yeah, have those affiliate relationships, those strategic alliances and partnerships, just communicate it. And if it's being communicated Mm -hmm. and it's not under the table or behind the scenes or don't tell anybody, that's the stuff I want you to stay away from because it ultimately comes back and impacts your reputation. Absolutely. And um, 
I, I can't believe it's the second time that um, on, on on this podcast that it's happened. But um, I've now got the, uh, the the frozen song, the next right thing, in my head because of what you just said. <laughs> it's the second time that's happened now, and I think that's a good thing. And and for anyone that hasn't got a clue what I'm talking about, you obviously don't have kids under the age of like seven, and uh, you know it's kind of like it's a good way to think about it. Like if you want more referrals, it's about, well, how do I do the next right thing by the people that are already referring me? Or how do I do the next right thing by my client? How do I do the next right thing by the center of influences um, that I have that will, you know, either encourage them or just make them feel that they can add value to other people by referring you. And I think that's, yeah, um, you know, Elsa or Anna or whatever her name was, you know, she got it right. Um, Or Olaf, I think was his name in Frozen. I don't know. But um, (laughs) Um, I spend too much time with my kids. I don't know this lockdown. I couldn't spend too much time with my kids, not at all. So without going off in too much of a tangent, I've found this incredibly, incredibly valuable. And I know that your time um, is is running out. So um, I would like, um, first of all, I, how, how would somebody sort of find out a little bit more about what you do? Um, where is the best place to start? And then what is it that they can move on to if they want to, I mean, you've mentioned your program, for example, but just to sort of explain the kind of people that you help and, and how you help them. Sure. So Homebase is my website, stacybrownrandall.com. Stacy does have an E. I know you'll probably link to it correctly in the show notes, but I always get folks with that E and Stacy. But that's my home base where you can find out all the resources that we have available. But I always tell folks the best place to start is actually, I mentioned it really early on, um, it's that concept of what level of a referral ninja are you? And we actually have a nine question quiz. It's really simple. It's free. You can take it. It will take you a matter of seconds or minutes. And it's nine questions to help you figure out, okay, where are you starting from when you're trying to become that referral ninja master? And what level are you at? And so you can take that at referralquiz.com. Just go to that website and actually answer those nine questions and you'll get your results. And then of course, for the people who come in at the beginner level or the end training level, and they're not quite at the master level, you know, obviously we have our program growth by referrals and it's a great starting point for people who want to become a referral ninja master, but you know, the best place to start is figuring out where you stand. Where are you? And that quiz, the referral ninja quiz at referralquiz.com is really the best place to start. Excellent. And, and as you say, I will include all those links in the, um, in the show notes. And, um, if they wanted to connect with you personally, are you, you know, LinkedIn, is it Facebook? Is it Twitter? Where do you like to actually connect with people? Sometimes I feel like I'm on too many of them, but I am on the ones you mentioned, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. My preference is LinkedIn or Facebook. I have a business Facebook page. You, basically, in all of those, you just search for Stacy Brown Randall and I'm going to pop up. But the, the best way to connect to me would be Facebook or LinkedIn. Awesome. And uh, again, I'll, I'll include the links in the show notes, but um, yeah, make sure you do check out what, uh, what Stacey does and, um, you know, check out the podcast she's got as well. And um, if you want to sort of uh, get a, a real sort of overview of the process that, um, that Stacey uses, get the book. Um, that's available. Um, I know it's on, on, on Amazon and all the rest of it, but, um, you know, you can also find it through your site as well. So, um, definitely check that out. And um, yeah, you, you will, uh, you will, you will not regret it because, Everyone loves referrals, and if we've had, we've, we've heard it's not always as simple as just asking. So let's try and do it without asking a little bit more. So, um, Stacey, I've enjoyed the conversation. Um, even even my tangents on uh, going off on Frozen, but uh, yeah, I'm not going to keep going on about that. Um, thanks ever so much for <laughs> for joining me um, today. It's been um, yeah, it's been really good to um, to, to pick your brain and uh, yeah, I've learned a few things about referrals that um, uh, yeah, I hadn't necessarily considered before. So, thank you ever so much for that. And um, 
all there's left to say is happy fishing. Thank you so much. So there we go. That's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got some great ideas and and found it really valuable. And you've got some things that you can now go off and do in your own business to help grow your business and attract and catch more clients. And if you have found it valuable and you can think of just one other person that may find some of these ideas helpful and, and, and help them grow their business, please share it with them because they'll thank you for it. So also don't forget to grab a copy of my book, Conversational Relationship Marketing from the podcast gift page at thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash podcast gift. And all that's really left with me to say is thank you ever so much for listening today. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there you could be listening to. You've chosen this one. And for that, I am truly, truly grateful. If you're a first time listener or a, or a long time listener and you haven't yet subscribed to the show, please make sure that you do because you'll get updated of the latest episodes every time they come out. And if, again, you are enjoying it, I'd really, really appreciate a honest rating review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one personally, and they do really mean the world to me. And yes, they help others find the show. If you're able to do that, again, I massively, massively appreciate it. But until next time, happy fishing.